today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. modeling what Jesus taught us to be concerned about others. He's modeling what Paul preached, that we should be concerned about the needs of others and put others' needs before ours. Here he's thinking about, oh, they're worrying about me. They're praying for me. They're staying up late, fasting for me. And he's worried about those people who are worrying about him. That's Christian character. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Our natural tendency is to be selfish. We all want our own things and we don't want to share. Pastor Ed tells us today that this is not a characteristic of Christ. When striving for the qualities of Christ, we must focus on selflessness. Epaphroditus was concerned over the church of Philippians, for he knew that they were concerned about his health. Having almost died, Epaphroditus easily could have said, I'll stay and rest. But instead, he went to the church to provide them comfort and let them know he was okay. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Being People of Honor. Someone has said that uh, blood is thicker than water, but spirit is thicker than both. There's relationships that we have with people in Christ who become literally family. And Paul the Apostle says, he is my brother in the Lord. Jesus made an amazing statement in the Gospel of St. Luke. He said, And now his mother and his brothers, his family were coming to sort of spend time with him. And he had been very busy. And it says in Luke chapter 8, Now Jesus, his mother and brothers came to see him. But they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word. And put it into practice. In Mark's gospel, he makes a similar comment, but he says, Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. God has brought us into a wonderful family, the family of God. And the relationships that we have in this family of God last beyond our earthly journey into heaven. I want to encourage you, when you look at those around you in Christ, recognize there's a spiritual tie, there's a spiritual relationship, there's a spiritual bond that we're to nurture and we're to recognize. Uh, In the assemblies of God, we'll use the terminology, brother, sister, and it comes right out of the Bible. It goes right back to the tradition of Jesus where he says, whoever does the will of God, whoever keeps God's word, he's my brother, my sister, my mother. He goes on and gives another title. And he says, a fellow worker, a fellow worker. 
I think about that term, fellow worker. Paul the Apostle is lifting this brother up and he's saying, this man is a worker along with me in the vineyard of God. What a compliment. See, he didn't hog the stage, but he brought others along with him. Uh, Paul didn't have to be center stage all the time, but Paul was able to lift up this obscure man from the church at uh, Philippi. He brought him in. He encouraged him. You know, I, I was talking to a man the other day, and he told me how his mother, who had come from a very difficult home life, carried on this negativism with his family. And she, as she mothered her children, she always put them down. She never lifted them up. She said, oh, you can't do that, or don't help me there. You're not good enough. And that negative word or words kept on replaying in all of those children's minds. Instead of lifting those children up, Paul was the type of person who would lift other people up. We need to see our work as an important work in the church. We are fellow workers together. The people behind the scenes that pray, the people behind the scenes that serve, the people behind the scenes that do things that we're not always aware of to make a Sunday morning service work. Those in the sound booth have prepared, those in the worship team who have prepared, those in the office who have prepared, those in, throughout our facility who have prepared. The work of the ministry is more than a job. It really is a calling. And someone put it in these words, a job is your choice. A ministry is at Christ's call. In a job, you expect to receive. In a ministry, you expect to give. In a job, you give something to get something. In a ministry, you return something that already has been given to you. A job depends on your abilities. A ministry depends on your availability to God. A job well done brings you praise. A ministry well done brings honor to Christ. He said he's a fellow worker, someone who's committed to working. And then he says a fellow soldier, a fellow soldier. Perhaps Paul had in mind the Roman soldiers, as they would march into battle, they would lock their shields together, and it would be like this one wall moving. And he was thinking about how, as Christians, we are to join together. We're to fight together. There's a spiritual battle that we have to fight. You have to fight in prayer. The enemy would love to destroy marriages and families and homes. And we need to pray and intercede and build up families and homes. The enemy would love to pull down the morals of our nation. And we have to be a voice that calls for morality and righteousness and holiness. The enemy would love to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're in a spiritual battle against wickedness and high places and, and spiritual powers that we must battle against. So he calls him a fellow soldier. He doesn't stop there, but he calls him a messenger and a minister. Now the word messenger is apostolos. That means simply apostle. Now he wasn't saying that he was an uh, 
on an apostle at Paul's level. Paul was an apostle appointed by Christ over all of the churches. But what he meant was he was a sent one. The Philippians sent him to minister to Paul. And as he thought about that, he said, he is someone who is sent with a message. And he's to minister to my needs. In the First World War and the Second World War in the British Army, they would have soldiers, personnel, who ministered to the officers. They would especially help them in some of their personal needs, whatever they had to do. And so they were like assistants to those officers. They called them Batman, and women were Batwomen. Well, we need some not... Hollywood's Batman or Hollywood's Batwoman, but we need some men and women who will minister to those who minister. Some who will stand behind our youth pastors. Some who will stand behind uh, the pastoral staff. Some who will stand behind the spiritual leaders of our church. They'll pray. They'll minister. They'll stand with them. I know recently... um, I had some things I was going through, and, and so I was able to call a number of people and just say, would you pray for me? Would you just pray for me? And I knew they were praying, and that really ministered to me. That strengthened me. Paul the Apostle looked and said, here's a man of honor, and here are the titles. Now, I want you to look at the difficulties that were encountered. Epaphroditus encountered some difficulties. He was in the center of God's will. But when you're in the center of God's will, it does not mean everything goes easily. Or it does not mean smooth sailing. Remember, he's sacrificing, he's traveling over 800 miles. He's going all the way to Rome. And it takes at least six weeks, if it's good weather, if it's... uh, not good weather, if the travel conditions aren't right, it could take up to three months. On the way there, he gets sick. And that sickness takes him to death's door, a deadly disease. Indeed, he was ill and almost died because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life. Sometimes you're in the center of God's will doing exactly what God wants you to do and you face incredible challenges. Don't ever look at your brother or sister and quickly jump to conclusions and judge them and say, they're going through this, they're going through that, here's the reason why. He was sacrificially serving, ministering to Paul the Apostle. But yet he's experiencing physical illness. I have a question. Do you remember Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 12? It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even his handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Epaphroditus was with Paul. Why didn't Paul take out one of those old hankies or those old aprons and lay it on him at that time. Epaphroditus wasn't healed in that way. 
Here Paul had done extraordinary miracles. God doesn't always work the same way. What he may do at one time, he may do something completely different. And what does Paul say? That it was the mercy of God that healed him. God in his mercy reached down and and delivered this man. Mercy is something that we don't deserve. Mercy is not something that we've earned. God just intervened. He was at death's door. I'm so glad for the mercy of God. I'm so glad that times God intervenes supernaturally, and he did. Notice something else. There was a difficult decision he had to make. A difficult decision. Aphroditus had to make a decision. He heard how the church was so distraught over him, how the Philippians had been praying and perhaps fasting and and they were concerned and he was burdened that they were burdened for him. He's modeling what Jesus taught us to be concerned about others. He's modeling what Paul preached that we should be concerned about the needs of others and put others' needs before ours. Here he's thinking about, oh, they're worrying about me. They're praying for me. They're staying up late, fasting for me. And he's worried about those people who are worrying about him. That's Christian character. Sometimes we get so absorbed in our own needs that we even forget the needs of other people around us. Sometimes we get caught up in that black hole of self-concern. And we get so caught up in our own needs, we forget the needs that are right before us that we could be ministering and meeting. Paul says that this man is a model of an honorable man. Someone that God would honor. Someone that God would look at and put in his hall of fame. Now, he wasn't mentioned in the Bible very much. This is the only time he's mentioned in the book of Philippians, and he's mentioned twice in the book of Philippians. But he's not mentioned anywhere else. He's an obscure character who just comes on the scene for a moment and then disappears like a ship passing on the horizon. Suddenly, it's there, and then it's gone. But God remembers. God sees Paul the Apostle was willing to send Timothy back and Ephroditus back. But Paul needed their ministry. But Paul was selfless. That should be the attitude that characterizes us as a church. I want to just read that passage of Scripture uh, where it talks in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only on your own interest, but also on the interest of others. Let's not get so self-absorbed that we can't reach out. Let's not get so filled with self that Christ can't radiate through our life. He was selfless. He gave himself He came not to be served, but to serve. And we need to follow his example. Those are the people who make it into the hall of fame. Those people who are willing to be selfless. 
Here, you see the titles that were given to him. He's a brother. He's a fellow worker. He comes alongside of Paul and he's working. He's a fellow soldier. He's a a messenger and he's ministering to the minister. He's ministering to Paul. And he goes through a difficult time, but he doesn't become bitter or angry. He's worried about people worrying about him. And he's a type of man When you look at him, he's selfless. He's thinking about others. Now, notice that there's an appropriate reception of this type of man. Paul asks, listen, when he gets back, receive him. It says in verse 29 and 30, Epaphroditus, he says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. He didn't want anyone judging him. He didn't want anyone questioning him. He said, he's helped. Now we're going to send him back to the home church. He's going to serve and he's going to bless you there. He didn't want... Satan whispering into people's ears that they would judge this brother and said, boy, he got sick. What happened? He didn't complete this. He didn't do that. He didn't want any of that. And suddenly he says, now welcome him in the Lord. Everything we do should be in the Lord. Everything we do. We live in the Lord. We welcome people. We rejoice. We ought to rejoice at what other people do for the kingdom of God. Their service to the kingdom, their ministry in the church, how they serve one another, their track record. He says, rejoice. When's the last time you went before God and said, Lord, thank you for brother so-and-so. Thank you for sister so-and-so. Thank you for their service in the church. Thank you for their selflessness. Thank you for their ministry. So often our prayers contain all sorts of complaints and all sorts of requests, but Very little thanksgiving for the wonderful people that God brings our way. And here he is thanking the Lord and telling the church to thank the Lord, rejoice, value this person. And then it says, receive him with honor in the Lord. Receive him in the Lord with honor. Honor men like this. Who we honor and what we honor tells us a great deal about ourselves. Sometimes what we do is we honor the wrong people, the wrong things. Some person climbs a ladder of success. Some person makes some remarkable achievements. But we never look and measure, how did they get there? Who did they step on to get there? How did they accomplish what they accomplished? See, God looks at the whole picture. And we're told to honor men like this, who are willing to humble themselves, who are willing to serve, who are willing to put others before themselves. In the end analysis, that's who God is going to honor. Those who measure up to the life of Jesus Christ, the culture should not impact the way we look at people and measure people. We should measure people by the one measuring standard that God has, and that's a Christ-like life. Those who have willingly sacrificed, have given, and served. 
He said he was an honorable man. In Romans chapter 16, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give to her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. The people who have willingly sacrificed their time, their life, their resources. We can't make life about ourselves. We have to live life for Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. It can't be about building our own kingdoms, being consumed with our own little worlds. We'll become lost. You know, there was years ago on, uh, they would put these inspection stickers on the car. Years ago, it would have something like this. It would uh, drive carefully. The life you save may be your own. Well, the Bible wants us not to save our life, but to give our life. Because it's only in giving our life will we really find our lives. And that's what he was willing to do. He was willing to risk his life. What are you willing to risk your life for? He was willing to risk it for the kingdom of God. Well, I want to risk it for, I want to gamble my life away on making a lot of money, on on achieving this particular goal. Maybe that particular goal may be a good goal, but if it doesn't last an eternity, it won't matter at all. I like the message translation, verse 29 and 30. It reads, Give him a grand welcome, a joyful embrace. People like him deserve the best you can give. Remember the ministry to me that you started but weren't able to complete. Well, in the process of finishing up that work, he put his life on the line and nearly died doing it. Wow. Wow. Pauline Richards was into... uh, I guess they call it like a ski board diving or something like that. Extreme sports. You know, where these people are involved in extreme sports and they wind up risking their life for that sport. And they wind up dying. And uh, she was one who died. Uh, Maybe the parachute, I believe, didn't open up at the right time. Uh, There's so many that wind up risking their life for things that don't really matter. Dietrich Bonhoeffer came back to the United States. He was in Germany uh, nearing the Second World War. He saw the rise of Hitler and Nazism. And he was trying to rally the church to oppose Hitler. And as he was doing that, he wanted to come to America to get some support. And they wanted him to remain here. But he said, no, I have to go back. And he knew that it meant a certain death. He knew that it meant he would lose his life. But he had to support the church in Germany, even if it meant losing his life. What are you willing to lose your life for? What are you willing to risk your life for? Paul says, That really is an honorable cause to risk your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be willing to serve him this morning. 
Are you willing to risk your life for the cause of Christ? How much of a priority is He for all of us, for you? We're so glad you joined us again today for Building in Faith Radio. Dr. Ed Jones has been working through the book of Philippians, where we're finding encouragement in the hard times, as well as practical guidance for living as we seek to follow Christ. If you're looking for more encouragement along your way, look online at buildinginfaithradio.com, where you can find additional messages from Pastor Ed, as well as information on the church behind the ministry of Building in Faith. Faith Assembly is located in Poughkeepsie, New York, and we'd love to see you at one of our weekly services. We gather together Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., to worship together and learn more about walking with Christ. If you're searching for a place to learn more of the Word, there's also a Bible study Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Call us anytime for more information at 845-462-5955. Again, that number is 845-462-5955. Or visit buildinginfaithradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith AG2. We'd love to take time to pray for your prayer requests or answer your questions, so join the conversation. Regardless of where you are, we encourage you to find a church home and a body of believers you can grow with. We've been so glad to have this time with you today. Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Philippians, so be sure to come back for the next edition of Building in Faith Radio. Your word